Although I went to New Orleans the first time, right before Katrina, I feel like I didn't meet the city until I was 26, and I came to it under the auspices of grief, which seems to be a theme of mine. Uh, Post the enormous shift in my life from leaving my job, leaving my partner, uh, leaving that which no longer served me, um, I opened myself to my adulthood when I was around 26, and that looked like a very strange, aimless exodus on train across the United States. I had saved enough money to be able to buy a train pass and knew a few spots where I had some friends and a commitment to go work for an artist organization for two weeks in Tennessee. I decided to go to New Orleans as the first stop on this trip. And since then, the city has become the paragon, the paramour, the paranormal for me. It's the place in which I look for wisdom in the United States. It's the place in which I look for the complexity that humanity serves. It's a place that I look for the kind of multi-vocality that produces something of worth, even with the suffering and tension that arises from those kinds of truths. And during this initial trip, I end-capped it. I started in New Orleans, I ended in New Orleans, and marked my body with a crescent moon as a way to (laughs) show my adoration for the place. And this was just one of the encounters. I um, decided to journal during this time to try to figure out who the hell I was, where the hell I was. And um, this was just one such daily encounter with uh, some of the incredible spirit of the city. Enjoy. May 2nd, 2011. The French Quarter. The library bookstore lies behind parched, whitewashed doors at a T intersection in the quarter. It is stuffed with a menagerie of genres, a throng of thicknesses, peeling paperbacks in one corner, Creole history and slave diaries in the other. Glossy monuments to Cajun cooking and alligator hunting are displayed upon entry, along with new donated arrivals. They specialize in both used and new books that have some locavore treatment, either by being donated by the community or being relevant to the area. I happened upon the bookstore while suffering in black through the simmering streets of New Orleans and decided books were a better use of my time than passing out for my ill-fated outfit choice. A quiet, elderly woman with a romantic mantle of white hair and sea-glass eyes greeted me as I came in and offered her help if I was looking for something specific. Peeling my camera bag off my chest with an unsavory slurping sound, I thanked her, stumbling to the back of the store to find a stool to collapse on. I felt it was my duty to glance at the books as I drunkenly blundered to sit, I didn't want her to think that I was just using her for air conditioning, which I was. 
drying my slick neck with my wet palms, I studied the art section. A small museum catalog on Greek art sat aside a herstory of Western art. Books on Mackintosh and Van Gogh and the Netherlandish were all jammed together, making me more aware to read each title. Falling down the shelves, I noticed the books began to shift to local history. Curious if she had any books on Louisiana textiles, Jean Despajul, or Marie Laveau, I approached her. Curling a pale eye at me, she stared motionless for a few moments. Paralyzed, I looked back. I asked my questions and received the same quiet gaze. I wondered if I'd actually died outside and was now an apparition, or if my nose were bleeding when she began moving towards an aisle. Mumbling about crafts, she handed me a lean novelty volume on Louisiana art and told me that if she had any Laveau books, they would be new. When I asked her about Despajoul, her eyes became even more unreadable, meeting somewhere between horror and indigestion. I wondered again if I had offended her. I wondered if she was the type of bookseller that hates people touching her things when she passed me to look for Laveau. Grazing the new arrivals for Marie, she told me that she was out. There are three books commonly printed about her, and walking back to her counter suggested another bookstore. I began to notice her delicate footsteps and the weight of her speech. She pulled a sliver of paper from beside the register and circled number one on it. It was a map of the local antiquarian bookstores within the quarter. As she told me about her friend who owned number one and his merits, her mouth didn't show any sign of lightening. It began to dawn on me that this was a different kind of person with a different culture. My own feelings of inadequacy were only mirrored in here, in here having nothing to do with the manners of this woman. My craving for acceptance began to wane as I actually listened to her speak about her friend and the elegant drawl of a fourth-generation Louisianian. I stopped interjecting with interesting and my own placations, just accepting and listening to her words. After she, she finished about her friend, a silence came roosting onto our shoulders. Quietly smiling at one another, I was about to thank her and leave when she said, my daughter is an amazing knitter, and I've told her that she would make her great-grandmothers proud. This began the unraveling. She told me how her daughter used to sell her works down the street, near the Rose family, who weave rag rugs. She would make garments, selling her one-of-a-kind pieces before the recession. She told me that knitting groups of old women would call for her daughter's help, her skill surpassing theirs. She told me her daughter wanted to learn to make things when she was in her preteens. She told me she signed her daughter up for crochet classes in the quarter at a store now long gone. She told me that her daughter then taught herself to knit, adopting a fluidity of skill very quickly. She told me that those skills skipped her generation. She told me how she was still intrigued by crazy quilting, however. 
She told me she remembered a pillow from her grandmother's Galloway's parlor, which was crazy quilted with metallic threads and thin strips of cotton. She told me she said she doesn't know who made it, knowing the crazy quilt was not characteristic of her grandmother's more prim and traditional embroidery. She told me she was given the pillow, no one else in the family recognizing its magic. She told me she wanted to have it professionally cleaned because of the mildew, but she was told to wash it in buttermilk by the restorers. She told me she did, and after the piece had been washed in a plastic tub, cut in half with buttermilk, that the the moldy part started to melt away. She told me she wanted to frame it because it was sacred. She told me about the spirit of women. She told me about the secrets they put in their work. She told me of a former black employee of hers, quote, unquote, you'd better enjoy Friday night so you can stay on the rest of your miserable life, unquote. She told me she believed women kept themselves whole through the works of their hands. She told me about how she had heard of the suffering of people put into terms of mileage around the earth. She told me the number of Jewish persons exterminated in concentration camps circling the earth a few times. She told me the number of people murdered under the auspices of slavery in the U.S. at least doubled that. She told me the number of women murdered and oppressed because of their gender surpassed them all in unholy numbers. She told me about makeshift clothing during the war and how nothing was being manufactured. She told me about how her mother made her a baby dress from the volumes of yardage in her grandmother's skirts. She told me about little doll blankets made by the women she loved. She told me. As she spoke, I bought a book from her. We talked over the interaction in love. Placing the book in a generous brown paper sack, she handed it to me. I was overcome with that first silence. But this time it stemmed from a longing to stay here. I wanted to drink her in. I wanted to keep her like this volume. I wanted to be able to open her endless pages and read them evermore. I wanted her to remember and be remembered. But just as the women before her hide in the fabrics, I knew I would only be able to understand this perfection by missing it. As I gathered my bag in hand, she gazed into me. She said, I have enjoyed this conversation, truly enjoyed it, and smiled.